Morning and welcome to Wave Makers on WMNF in Tampa. Uh, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. We have a hurricane, uh, Ian, heading our way, as you know, if you've been listening to Sean Canan's show for the last hour. Or if you just happen to be living in Florida. Uh, but we just had the 11 o'clock update from the National Hurricane Center, uh, which has uh, n- now further uh, uh, adjusted the uh, forecast track a little more southeast, which is uh, good news for Tampa and generally bad news for the Venice-Sarasota area. It is looking increasingly like it's going to move a little bit faster and not cause as big a rain event uh, and we're going to get a lot more clarity as the day goes on on where this this hurricane is going to hit. You know, within the first last 24 hours of storms, we generally get a pretty good idea. Um, this one's been a little frustrating because it's been so all over the map with so much disagreements on uh, tracks. Um, but so far, it's looking better for Tampa and worse for Venice. So um, we're going to get back to our regular programming now. Today's wavemaker is a lawyer who is working to defeat four members of the Florida Supreme Court who will be on the ballot in November. The four will decide whether abortion remains legal in this state. In the wake of the Dobbs ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court, which overturned Roe v. Wade and put decisions about a woman's right to choose in the hands of states, women and Democrats around the country have pledged to, quote, remember in November, end quote, and cast their votes for candidates who will uphold abortion rights. In four states, voters will decide on ballot initiatives to either protect or prohibit the right to choose. In Florida, abortion is on the ballot in the form of a retention vote for the Florida Supreme Court justices. Laura Lawson is part of a group of activists calling attention to those justices. Thanks for being here, Laura. Thank you. Laura is a Kentucky native who moved to the Tampa Bay area in 1989 to attend Eckerd College. She earned her law degree from the University of Kentucky and worked for Bay Area Legal Services in Tampa and the Hillsborough County Guardian Ad Litem Program. She now works as an aide to Democratic Hillsborough County Commissioner Pat Kemp. And in her spare time, she's working to get the word out about this vote on the court. In Florida, Supreme Court justices are appointed by the governor, who chooses from a list of nominees by a board he appoints. So the governor controls who gets on the court, and Ron DeSantis has consistently named far-right justices. But voters have the final say. Under a system called merit retention, Florida voters decide whether a justice stays or goes. This year, five of the seven justices on the Florida Supreme Court will be on the ballot. They are Jamie Rutland Grosshands, John D. Curiel, Ricky Polston, Charles Kennedy, and Jorge Labarga. Um, Laura, Democrats are urging voters to keep um, George to Jorge Labarga um, and reject the rest. Tell us why. Oh, thank you, Janet. And thank you so much for having me here to talk about this. 
Um, these races rarely get much attention, and I think in this case, this race is really important. And the first real reason is the court's role, the importance of the Florida Supreme Court. As we know, the U.S. Supreme Court, for example, determines what the U.S. Constitution means. The same is true in the case of the Florida Supreme Court. They are in charge of deciding what the Florida Constitution means. And this year, we have a rare opportunity where a supermajority of those justices are on the ballot. Hmm. Um, so bottom line is, what are, what are we aiming for? What are, what are you aiming for? What are you hoping people will... Um, do come November when it comes to the Florida Supreme Court? I think they should do what I'm going to do, and that is vote yes on Justice Jorge Labarga and vote no on all four remaining justices. I believe confidently after having researched this that they will be, that they have committed to overturn choice in this state to disrespect the privacy right in our constitution and to continue to move because they have already been moving this court in a direction that is inconsistent with the Florida constitution and that is inconsistent with the voters of the state. So bottom line is that there are five Florida Supreme Court justices on the ballot in November. They're up for a retention vote and you and others are advocating for um, voting no on all of them except Jorge Labarga. That's right. Vote no on Justice Kennedy. Vote no on Justice Curiel. Vote no on Justice Groshans. And vote no on Justice Ricky Polston. However, Jorge Labarga is a judge that we can be proud of. He's a fair judge. He has repeatedly disagreed and written dissents uh, from these other judges about things that they have decided in the recent past. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and our guest today is Laura Lawson, and she is an attorney who's working with a group of Floridians to call attention to the fact that there are five Supreme Court justices on the ballot in November, um, and she's um, urging um, folks to vote no for um, Jorge Labarga because of his position on abortion and other issues. It's a Yes, for Labarga. Yes, I'm sorry. So yes. the actual vote, because it's you're being asked a question, shall yes. this justice be retained? Yes, right. And 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 so the, the 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 really you're being asked yes or no. But the bottom line, the only one um, that Laura would suggest voting yes for is Labarga. Um, and if you want to weigh in on this, um, give us a call at eight one three two three nine nine six six three, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and let us know um, in between your hurricane planning what your thoughts are about this Florida Supreme Court um, justices being on the ballot in November. Um, and we were talking about it in terms of abortion, but of course, abortion isn't the only issue at stake on the court. Can you tell us, are there other noteworthy cases um, that these justices have ruled on? I'll start with one, and there are more, but let's start with one right here in Hillsborough County. That is the Hillsborough County Transportation Surtax Sales Tax. The Florida Supreme Court threw that out in 2021. That was done by Justice Charles Kennedy. And that was done by a majority of the court. There was one dissent, and guess who it was? It was Jorge Labarga again. Mm -hmm. 
And I think Ricky Polston was also. Uh, a that is correct. That. that is correct. Ricky Polston agreed with and uh, joined the opinion, throwing out the tax with Justice Kennedy. That's a good point. These other two justices were not yet part of that case. And Kennedy also was the chief justice when Florida rejected high speed rail. Oh, that's that's a good point. I had forgotten about that part, but right. that's a good Some time point ago, too. But yeah, he was he was on the Supreme Court then, and that's something that has infected affected our entire state in a very significant way. But going back to abortion for one second, because there is a case right now pending before the Florida Supreme Court. One of the reasons that this election is so crucial is because this court could decide whether or not abortion remains even an option in Florida because under a 1989 Supreme Court decision, it was decided that the privacy amendment in the Florida Constitution protected a woman's reproductive rights. And now there is a 15-week ban that the legislature has, you, you have to have an abortion within 15 weeks or it's illegal with no exceptions for rape or incest, and that has now been challenged, and many people thought, well, we'll be okay in Florida because we have a privacy amendment. But the Attorney General, Ashley Moody, is now arguing to overturn that 1980 decision, basically to do in Florida what the U.S. Supreme Court did with Roe, which was to overturn a precedent, in that case had been in place for 50 years, in this case since 1989, so uh, do you think that there's a chance? What, what do you think the chances are that the Supreme Court will go along with Ashley Moody's position? I believe the Supreme Court that we have in Tallahassee right now will do what Ashley Moody is asking them to do. And this is more tragic in a way than people even really understand. This is a beautiful piece of the U.S. Constitution that we have here with this privacy amendment. It was approved by the voters in 1980. It's sweeping language that anybody, a libertarian, a liberal, a Republican, a Democrat will love. It says that the government should not interfere with people's private lives. And this was decided in 1989 to include abortion. And the court has said that repeatedly, again, as recently as 2017, including Justice LaBarga. And I feel very strongly and believe that these justices were put there to undermine this right, to take it away. And that is what Governor DeSantis has said that he would do. And um, when you look at Charles Kennedy, his history politically, he worked, he was a congressman who fought abortion in Congress. When you see Ricky Polson, he has a history also of defending choose life license plates. Both of them mm. dissented with what LaBarga had to say in 2017. And I think they would do the same thing again and undermine this right now that they have the chance. And so if you remove, if you vote no, and a majority, it's, it's a simple majority, right? So if a majority of voters say no to those four justices, what happens? 
they their last day on the court will be essentially the morning of inauguration day. So that would give the next governor the opportunity to appoint their replacements. So, uh, yeah, we have an email from somebody who's Joellen who says um, DeSantis can just reappoint. Is this banking on Chris winning? So just if, if DeSantis wins, um, then he's just going to be able to reappoint. Could he reappoint more conservative justice, even more extreme, or just reappoint these folks? I have about three answers to that. The first <laughs> one is I think it's harder to get more extreme than what we have now. The second one is... Oh, well, DeSantis just said, hold my beer, because he's going to show you. <laughs> well, the second one is that any justices that he puts on the ballot will again face the ballot in 2024. That's how these first two are on there. And they'll have to do that. And they'll also have to make any decisions they make knowing that their predecessor just got kicked off the court. Fine. So Fine. it sends a message. Well, You're sending create- a message that... You're accountable to the voters. Accountable. That is a very good word, Janet. We're creating a culture of accountability with the tools that we have. And I also believe fundamentally, I don't see DeSantis winning and this happening, frankly. I think it's going to take the voters of Florida stepping up, voting for Charlie Crist and getting DeSantis out of there and doing this at the same time. I think that's what would realistically happen. So I don't, I just don't think that's a place to place your concern when you're deciding, considering voting yes on these guys. I just don't think that's the place to put your concern. Well, I guess just back to what you, what we were saying is it's about accountability. So maybe he does, but it, maybe people will be thinking the justices will recognize that they need to be accountable to the voters. They're, they're being, they're going before the voters Yes. So they have to become, and surprisingly, I think a lot of people aren't even aware that this is on the ballot. I think you're absolutely right there because it's usually a sleeper situation. People aren't thinking about it. And uh, generally, you'll see one justice, two justices. You don't typically see this is a seven member court. So if we get rid of four conservative justices, we've we've really made an impact here. Well, there have been so many high fo- there are so many high profile races right now, including the governor, U.S. Senate, congressional races that could decide the control of Congress. We have important legislative races, so I could see that there's not as much attention being paid to this. But when I googled this subject. I really found virtually no news stories about this. So there was one editorial I found in the South Florida Sun Sentinel, which was encouraging voters to follow your suggestion. But other than that, I've seen really nothing. So that's one of the reasons we are taking a moment during this hurricane. <laughs> and I know your, 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 our listeners' attention are very focused, as they should be, on planning and preparation for this storm. But there's another storm coming here, okay? And if you're not registered to vote, or if you haven't updated your registration, please do that because the last opportunity is in a week. One week from today is the deadline to register to vote. So you can contact any of your local uh, election supervisors and, and update your registration or just go ahead and register if you haven't already. 
Um, we got an email from Paul Carr um, who says, um, we all, this is in reference to the Supreme Court, um, we already had a coup back when Gore was robbed of being our rightful president, winning way more votes than Bush. Kennedy and his team of lawyers were staged here to slap lawsuits on any type of recounts to verify it. Sound familiar? Um, so that's uh, what Paul Carr is saying. And uh, so at that point, Kennedy would have not been on the Supreme Court. That was would have been, he was a, a, a lawyer just working to um, stop the vote count. <laughs> that must so, be right. I think Bush put him on the second district court of appeals sometime in the early aughts, but I may not have that exactly right. Well, he was also a member of Congress. But he, and, a member of Congress and also just perhaps attorney. Yes. But Paul, thanks for that information. If you have any more, go ahead and send it to us. We appreciate it. But, but, that's a fair point that, you know, we're, we're talking about this in terms of abortion, but also, you know, we're also talking about it in terms of elections and upholding elections and um, maintaining the integrity of elections. Absolutely. DeSantis's congressional map, this same group said, no, we're not going to look at that crooked map. We don't care about that gerrymandered map. And guess who dissented and disagreed with them again? It's Justice LaBarga. We see this pattern over and over again. Do you have any other instances of, uh, of cases where he was the dissenting vote? Several, yes. One of the things that this court is very hostile to is ballot initiatives. That's things where right. voters put things on the ballot to try to change policy. Of course, fair districts, the congressional map, that was a voter initiative. They also stopped, again with LaBarga dissenting, an initiative to legalize marijuana for adults to expand Medicaid, to register assault rifles. Um, he also dissented with them on the way they handled the fines and fees case with oh, for, the felon. Yep. Voter, um, voter um, being able to vote again, Me voting see, yep. rights. So this is a pattern that they have. And again, it ties in again to the Florida Constitution. And again, with the privacy amendment, their disrespect for voter initiatives, because that was another one, too. They also seem to have a disrespect for precedent. They, haven't they overturned a couple of precedents in the last couple of years, which is very unusual, but also sets up this next decision on abortion, uh, because they would have to overturn a precedent that has been in place for more than 30 years. That is that is absolutely right. And has been upheld a few times since then. At, by that same court, as recently as 2017. That's right. Um, another area where they've abandoned precedent as well is death penalty. Um, in, in, in its multiple cases, I'm not a criminal attorney, so I'm not as smart about this part. But um, in, in one of these cases, um, LaBarga described it as the most consequential step yet in dismantling the safeguards within Florida's death penalty jurisdiction, jurisprudence. I'm sorry. And what he's talking about is the protections to make sure that the state doesn't make a, make a mistake in these cases. Now, how many times has a Supreme Court justice been removed through this merit retention process? Never happened. It's never happened. Have they ever been targeted in yes. this way? Yes. In fact, um, Justice Shaw was targeted specifically after 
he wrote the decision that decided that women and girls have a right to abortion under the Florida Constitution. It was his opinion in 1989 that did that. And there was some effort to target him for that. But, but for, and he was supporting the right of a woman Correct. to choose. Correct. He was supporting. And targeted then. Yeah. Thank you for making that. That's exactly right. He wrote an opinion that said women in Florida, girls in Florida have this right. And he was targeted for deciding that, but he, but the, but the effort against him failed and the voters supported him remaining in office. By 60% of the vote, that was the very following year, 1990. That may be, I don't have all that history straight. Thank you. Yes. They have been targeted before Rosemary Barquette uh, in 1982. She won with 61% of the vote. So, uh, and then we have... Also uh, a pro-choice justice. And the last time uh, a merit retention fight occurred was in 2012 when some conservatives targeted justices Barbara Periente, R. Fred Lewis, and Peggy Quince, who were part of a liberal majority on the court. But that- each of the justices received support from more than 67% of the voters and remained on the court. Until last, until they were faced a mandatory retirement age. But this shows how difficult it is to to uh, accomplish your goal. And what kind of campaign have the Democrats launched to make this happen? Well, we have been working um, to, to. I've been working to plant this seed wherever I can. To be quite honest with you, the Hillsborough County Democratic Executive Committee. Um, first, honestly, the first was the pro- Democratic Progressives of Florida, Susan Smith. She grabbed onto this immediately, and she's been working on it for months. And But I've also worked with the Hillsborough County Democratic Executive Committee and, and along with some other folks, and they have made that part of their recommendation. As you know, Ion Townsend has distributed this statewide. A PAC has been formed. Fair Courts, Florida. We have Barbara Devane working with that. Um, we've gotten the support of Florida now as well. The Hillsborough County um, Democratic um, Gay Lesbian Caucus as well. So we're, we're building a support. It's going to take everybody. That's just the bottom line. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wave Makers on WMNF. Our guest is Laura Lawson, and we're talking about the five Supreme Court, Florida Supreme Court justices who are on the ballot in November. We'll be right back after this message. General Manager of WMNF. Since 1998, my family has attended WMNF music and other events where my kids and I could be ourselves and together. Now I meet the grown children of many of my colleagues who are returning to the WMNF community. They've grown up with the values that we parents share with them and that our kids now bring into adulthood with their children. I call them G2s, second generation WMNF community members. I want to make sure we're around for G3, G4, G5, and so on. That's why I donated to the WMNF Meet the Match Endowment Campaign. Join me by going to WMNF.org slash meet the match to give all children a stronger WMNF in the future. Thank you. The Community Foundation Tampa Bay supports nonprofits through the power of endowment. And if you love WMNF, please consider making a donation to our endowment, which will 
help us uh, stay on the air for generations to come, as our general manager, Randy Zimmerman, just said. Um, and if you love Wavemakers, um, go to WMNF.org and hit the tip jar and make a donation. We are... The station is supported. 70% of our budget comes from donations. So in order to keep our lights on, keep us on the air, keep you informed about Hurricane Ian, the, the latest news, let you know what's going on with the Florida Supreme Court justices, um, we need your help. So consider making a donation. And if you know a wave maker that you think we should talk to on uh, this show, uh, email us at WMNFWaveMakers at gmail.com, and we will take a close look at that and consider that. Um, so it's interesting. I feel like it seems to me that frequently when we're voting on these, on justices that are on the ballot, it's just so hard to really make an informed vote. It, whatever, whatever it is, you have any, even when they're the local judicial races, you have any thoughts on how to become a better voter when it comes to um, these judicial races? Um, I think it's good to ask attorneys that you know. I mean, I I worked in appellate courts for many years, so to me, appellate court decisions are just something that I understand. But it's esoteric knowledge; not everyone has it. And also, I mean, law is a business, and the and and. People aren't always as ready. I feel fortunate working for Commissioner Kemp that I can come out and take a stand like this. But um, I think it's important to the legal community has to be involved to some extent because it, it, the press simply, as you suggest, doesn't always have the resources to cover these issues in this level of detail like we're doing today. Well, it also requires just the way they campaign. They're nonpartisan and they're not allowed to really talk about their political views. And so the, really the only way to make an informed decision is to sort of like read cases and know how they're ruling on That's things. Right. And it's a very tedious um, process if you even know how to do it. I mean... It's a lot to, to, to go through. and That's absolutely true. But what's remarkable about this particular case is how clear it really is. I mean, when we look at these dissents, I've mentioned several. When you see this contrast between what Justice LaBarga has been saying in these cases, he's basically been crying out for all of us to pay attention to what's going on up there. Now, we did have an instance um, recently in Hillsborough County where a judge, Jared Smith, was rejected by voters and defeated by Nancy Jacobs um, on the abortion issue because there was a teenager that um, was seeking an abortion and he ruled that she could not have one because um, she he didn't believe that she had the maturity to make that decision. Mature enough to be a mom, but not to make a decision on abortion. But again, it's that what people are calling a forced birth, and he ended up being rejected, of course. The second district uh, court of appeal uh, overturned that decision, and uh, the teenager was able to have an abortion. Although I thought under the privacy amendment, uh, the, 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 the children had that right to make their own decision, girls. That is another part of this history, if I can go into it briefly. When Please do, yes. In, in, when NRAE TW was decided, it was women and girls. Uh, uh, pregnant people of all ages were included, and that specifically they, they referenced the language that speaks to, to persons and said that it does. It took the Florida voters, I think it was in 2004 or maybe 2006, to take that 
absolute right away from minor girls, from my, from women who were under the age of 18, and to establish the parental consent law. Up until that time, um, the, the girls had had the absolute right under this very same part of the Florida Constitution. Well, uh, actually, the, the court was also saying that at that time, a girl could make her own health care decisions. They didn't have to have their parents' permission to go see a doctor to have something treated. That's right. And, and so they said abortion is a health care issue, but that's changed, which is why they have this system where a girl, if they don't have the parents' permission or are too afraid to get their parents' permission, can appeal to a court. Right. But it's intended to be some safeguards there. Uh, but when you are always appointing far-right members of the court, and I'm not just talking about the Supreme Court, we're talking county courts and circuit courts, uh, this whole system was created when Reuben Askew was the governor. After a scandal in the Supreme Court that led to three Supreme Court resignations, and they realized they needed to increase the caliber of these justices. And so they came up with a system called merit-based appointments and merit retention. And under that system, there was supposed to be uh, numerous people making nominations to the governor. There was a system. The governor didn't control the system. That changed under Jeb Bush. Under Jeb Bush, the governor now controls the appointments to the commissions that make the nominations, so they are beholden to him, and so they always, they even, they even nominated someone to the Supreme Court who was not qualified. She hadn't served the minimum amount of time in the Florida bar, and it took the Florida Supreme Court itself with the justice appointed by DeSantis to say, no, she's not qualified, and he had to appoint somebody else, but now he recently appointed her to the bench. This has led to Florida Supreme Court Justice Peggy Quince writing in the Miami Herald in December about the perversion, she calls it, of our nonpartisan selection system, which she says threatens to turn our higher courts and to some extent our trial courts into little more than an extension of the executive branch. The rule of law is in imminent danger. Now, Some people might say, well, wait a minute, we should be letting the justices make these decisions without the influence of politics like you have at a ballot box. What do you say to that, Laura? I would say that the the solution to what Justice Quince is complaining about is to vote this way that we're talking about, to vote these four justices out. They were put in through this governor-led political process. They were vetted by the Federalist Society that what's been going on at the U.S. Supreme Court has been going on here. And the way to reject the politicization of the Supreme Court is to reject these four justices and to vote yes on Labargo. And before we've got Sean Shaw on the line, we're going to go to him in just a minute, but I just want to, we've got an email from LaToya who asks, where can I find a list of the judges for the general election that are acceptable for my pro-choice vote? So do you want to answer that, um, answer LaToya's question, Laura? 
faircourtsflorida.com. They have this position explained. That's faircourtsfl.com. And then, but Laura, it's fairly simple that in your mind, it's... Justice Labarga is the only one. That's the oh, only one that, is <laughs> that right. you would recommend voting yes on. Absolutely. Just, uh, so I, fairly yes. simple. Yes. Yes. yes, very simple. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, let's go to uh, uh, Sean Shaw, who's on the line right now. Sean, is that you? Yeah, it is. How's it going? Thanks for calling in. Uh, we, I don't know if you were listening, but we have already talked about your dad, uh, Supreme Court Justice Leander Shaw, who wrote the 1989 precedent-setting decision that said the Privacy Amendment in Florida gives women and girls the right to make their own decisions on reprodu reproductive matters and other health care matters. Uh, yet the following year, he was targeted for removal. So I wonder, uh, uh, and, and for those who are not familiar with Sean, he's a former state senator and was the Democratic nominee for attorney general. And I think you would have taken a much different approach to this current case that's before the Supreme Court, Sean, <laughs> than perhaps Ashley Moody is taking. Well, you know, uh, I heard your last um, person say that essentially elections matter, and they do. And... So you've now got an attorney general and a governor who are kind of, you know, anti-choice and very combative. Toward. It's one thing to be anti. It's another thing to be proactively combating it, which is what they're doing by these lawsuits and the legislation and ru running right up against the limits of NRATW, that opinion that my dad wrote, uh, running right up to the guardrails of it and to the extent that I'm sure the court is going to entertain reversing that precedent just like they did Roe on the on the federal level. So, yeah, it's a problem. Um, and those of us that are lawyers, you know, politics is what it is, but even justices and judges who might not share your political affiliations or even beliefs, there were certain legal standards that you thought applied no matter what, like stare decisis, you know, precedents of the court matter. You don't just overturn the precedent of a court that's been upstanding for 20, 30, 40 years just because you disagree with it. You have to give some um, deference to those precedents, but you see how Roe v. Wade was eviscerated, and I'm afraid that the same thing may happen in Florida, unfortunately. So that's why these merit retention races are important. And as you said, my dad was targeted um, for writing that opinion. He was the chief, and mm -hmm. so he was targeted I'm, you know, back in 19... Um, 91, 92, 90, around that area. Race played a large role in um, it, them coming after him. But to date, that was the you know most contested merit retention race in the history of Florida. He had to kind of campaign around the state. I remember opening our mailbox and getting pictures of fetuses in the mail and all that kind of thing. And uh, I remember him not being home much because he had to campaign uh, to retain his seat. It was a big deal um, back in uh, 1990. But he was successful and um, we're glad he was because he got to keep doing good stuff on the floor of Supreme Court. But it was a huge, huge race back then. And H how did he campaign to keep his seat? What did that look like? Well, it's almost like a, not almost, it was a statewide campaign. And so he had to travel to Miami and travel to Jacksonville and travel to Orlando and, you know, appear before audiences and, and talk about, you know, his qualifications as a justice. He had to, you know, there's certain, as a judge and a justice, you can't campaign in the same way that, um, regular political candidates do. Right. You can go around the state and talk about yourself and talk about why the race is important and talk about the courts. And, you know, what's fascinating, just to 
I'll put a personal spin on it. When I ran for attorney general, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and were like, you know, I remember driving your dad from the airport to this bar meeting when he was running for mayor retention. I remember your dad speaking at this, and that's why I'm so interested in helping you. It was really a really cool thing to happen when I was running. But, yeah, he was all around the state. Um, it sounds like the opposition was fairly organized. Uh, they were very organized yeah. in a way they had not been before. That's why it was so contested, and it was around, you know, this issue, and they knew it was, you knew it was coming, so they had a chance to get ready and to plan it. Um, and as I said, there was a racial component to it. I, we can't ignore that. Right. Um, but it was it was very organized, and and you know you got to raise money to travel around the state and to campaign. That's not free, right? So you got to have staff. You got to have travel costs. You got to have aid. You got to have people to tell you, give you political advice. And so this was expensive. It was time consuming. It was hard. Uh, and he was the next person up after that opinion was written, and so he got the brunt of it. But um, he was successful, and here we are. And 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 uh, you are supporting Charlie Crist for governor, correct? And if this strategy works, he would then have four new Supreme Court justices to appoint. And you're confident he would make pro-choice appointments? Oh yeah, I wouldn't be supporting him if I wasn't 100 percent confident in that. And to your point. Uh, you know, the change in how the, the how much power the governor has in this process has been bad no matter what party you belong to. Of course, I'm a Democrat, and uh, when there's a Democratic governor, I'm going to be glad that my governor has the power to exercise as these others have. But I don't think any governor have, ought to have the unfettered kind of power that exists right now. The Florida Bar ought to have a huge say in this, and these, you know, the the – the commissions ought to have a huge say in this, and the governor should not have the unfettered power that he has now because politics infects this process. We shouldn't we shouldn't kind of ignore the fact that this is hugely political. It is not what it used to be. The U.S. Supreme Court, the Florida Supreme Court, these major courts, it is a hugely political process. I wish it was not, but we'd be kidding ourselves if we acted like it wasn't. So, and I wish it wasn't. So when, in, in the era of it not being a political process, what qualities were those making the decision looking at as opposed to the politics of these people? Fairness. Objectivity, fairness, kind of your history. What Were you a judge before and what, how did you conduct yourself? Were you a lawyer before? How did you conduct yourself? What's your reputation in the legal community? You know, we're what kind of maybe what kind of schools you went to and and these sorts of the the merit of it not the federal society and not how conservative and not the governor bringing you in his or her office saying you know how conservative are you and and pledging fealty to his political ideology this is a will you be a good judge will you be fair will you be free from the taint of scandal are you someone who's conducted yourself in a way that your peers in the legal community think that you'd be a good justice you're not. We're not appointing you to a trial court. This is an appellate court. This is the top of the mountain. Like, do you have the credentials to be there? And all these sorts of questions. You know, the Florida bars that would be the ones that. What's your involvement in the Florida bar and these other organizations? So people know you. That's where you find, in my opinion, the best jurists. Not these litmus tests of, you know, tell me how conservative you can possibly be if you get there. So it was really about professional qualifications rather than political leanings. Bingo, and to your point, I heard the tail end of it. You know, back in the, the Ruben Askew days, uh, it, the court was engulfed in scandal. So what they were looking for back then was someone who was just 
impeccable in terms of integrity as well. Like someone who didn't have a whiff of scandal about them. So someone who's been involved in the legal in the legal field for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, has no scandal, has amazing integrity, amazing credentials, those sorts of things as well. Integrity was very important when they were trying to reestablish the legitimacy of the fourth Supreme Court. So we were talking earlier about how difficult it is to actually make an informed decision when you're voting on these judicial candidates or the merit retention races. And do you have any advice to voters about how to become informed? Because just what you were noting, there's restrictions on how how you can, quote unquote, campaign as a judge. Which is one of the um, so, reasons that that the most recent uh, local race uh, where uh, a judge was targeted because of an abortion decision was unusual because he was saying some stuff publicly that, that judges or even judicial candidates don't normally so say. So he made himself vulnerable. He made himself vulnerable, and he also stretched the truth in some instances, uh, and he got caught doing it. And so that's rare, but it did happen in that race, but... I mean, I kind of laugh when you ask this question because this is hard even for me. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but the way I do it is I talk to lawyers who have mm-hmm. either practiced with people that are running, that know these people personally, and I also try to take time to listen to them myself in person. So I try to attend uh, a, a forum or some sort of place where I can hear them myself and see them in person, and you would be surprised what you can pick up when you listen to someone and watch them in person. Uh, Is someone just saying what they think the room wants them to say, or is someone telling you, I've been a lawyer for 20 years, I want to be a judge, I want to be a great judge, Uh, I was, you know, I've been volunteering in the community, I'm involved, but I want to make sure we have faith. Like, you can hear it in someone's voice and see it in their presentation, in my, at least I think I can. Mm-hmm. And so I like to see people in person, and I also like to talk to people who practice in front of them. But it's hard. Um, it's it is because you've got to do this because you know the, the political candidates are you know a little bit. You don't have to spend as much time as you do these judicial candidates, right? Because um, you have to do a little bit of reading between the lines and trying to follow. Say things. Yeah, you know? you're trying to read between the lines and follow your gut because the yeah. the straight up political candidates are just going to attack their opponents and talk about their positions and what they're going to do, um, and judges can't do that, uh, so it makes it difficult. Uh, what you have to I mean, look I at. I like someone with community service. That that is something that sticks out for me when someone's running for judge. I like to think that makes them more more well rounded in the. Um, and this while they're trying to render judgment on people, so that's one thing I look at. But I certainly try to. Look find a forum to see in person. Laura, um, we, we've talked a little bit on the show about, in the past, judges being targeted and the Supreme Court justices being targeted and still they're retained. What Do you have any indication that this time might be different, or what are your hopes on it, how this might be different? I think it's it's almost like a judicial retention eclipse that we have this year or something, for lack of a better term. We have this opportunity to make critical change because we have so many of these extremely right-wing conservatives on the ballot at the same time as the abortion issue has been turned over to the states, at the same time that we have the opportunity to get a, a new governor. I like to, when I have talked to young people about this, they go crazy. 
Uh, I like to think that this could drive people to go vote for Charlie Crist, who might not quite be ready yet, if this could just take off. It's a hidden part of the ballot, but it really is a place where the voters have power that they don't realize that they have. And I want... Um, working with all these other people in the community through democratic parties, through women's organizations and other interests that we can find um, the base that we need to make this change. Well, Sean, uh, given the intense opposition to your dad uh, 32 years ago, are you surprised there hasn't been more of an organized campaign against these justices this year? I am, although... But the issue is these organized campaigns take money, right? And so right. Um, there's there's people running for governor, for U.S. Senate, for Congress. And so there is, there's just uh, all these things require so much money. Um, but I am kind of surprised that it hasn't been more forceful and loud uh, and, and financed uh, this time, especially because I'm hearing the next time there may be a, a citizen's initiative to try to do something to make sure that choices. Um, cemented in a way that it can't be pulled out. So um, I am a little surprised, but I agree with your your prior statement of your guest that uh, this is the time. This is the this is the ballot. This is the perfect storm. Well, Charlie Chris did tell me when I asked him specifically if he would support a constitutional amendment to make sure that abortion is protected. He said yes. Yep. Um, and, you have and, to do these things now, yeah. unfortunately, because the legislature can't be trusted to kind of do what they're supposed to do. Okay, so take us down that, though, if there is a constitutional, if there's a citizens-driven initiative to um, codify abortion rights, why is the Florida Supreme Court important to that? Well, because they're eventually going to have to rule on what the amendment really means, because the legislature is going to attempt, I mean, this is the playbook, right? The citizens pass an amendment, the legislature fiddles around with it because they don't like it, and then the Florida Supreme Court ultimately has to kind of rule on what they think, but also the thing has to get on the ballot. So to even get on the ballot, you've got to pass Supreme Court scrutiny with regard to language and single subject and all these other standards. So it, the Florida Supreme Court will be involved intimately, no matter even if it's a citizen's initiative or it's just uh, an attack on the former um, ruling. I just want to acknowledge that I find it to be ironic that it was actually Charlie Crist that appointed um, Justice Kennedy and now um, we have folks who are hoping that Chris will be able to appoint his replacement. <laughs> politics, is a, politics is short, and you never know. Yeah. True enough. Well, we appreciate you calling in, uh, Sean. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about this? Or are no, you going to be out I'll there campaigning? I'm sorry for being late. but No problem. Uh, trying to get my generator working here, but I appreciate you talking about that. Uh, uh, yeah, well, and please, stay safe out yep, there. Everybody, get your plans and preparations in place, because no matter what, the storm is coming. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, and we've got Clay on the line, and we're going to get to him um, uh, right after uh, this message. Hi, I'm Kenny Coogan. Join Annie Ellis and myself as we co-host the Sustainable Living Show here on your community-supported radio station, WMNF Tampa. On Sustainable Living, we bring you conversations with local experts on sustainable topics. Please come share with us every Monday morning at 11 in our talks about alternative energy sources, organic gardening, farming, and everything in between. Sustainability is a balance of people, profit, and planet. Together, we will make a difference. 
And I do love that show. That's one of my favorite shows because they talk about chickens sometimes, and I have backyard chickens. Um, if you're just tuning in again, this is um, Wave Makers with Janet and Tom and WMNF, and our guest is Laura Lawson. She's an attorney who's um, working to raise awareness of the uh, Florida Supreme Court justices who are on the ballot in November, and she is urging folks to vote yes only on one of those to retain um, Justice LaBarga. Um, Clay from Land Lakes. Um, you're on the line right now. What's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. Well, I just wanted to help people out with one of the things that they can do, find information about sitting judges. And unfortunately, it only works for sitting judges. But there's a, a website maintained in Florida called the ro- rovingroom.com. The roving room? Roving, roving, like the robes they wear. Roving. Oh, roving room. Okay. The rovingroom.com. And it has... It has lawyers and defendants and, uh, you know, people that are in front of the judge rate the judge on a number of categories. Huh. So that gives you information on a sitting judge. Unfortunately, it won't tell you about someone who's running and hasn't been sitting as a judge before. And, Clay, tell me this. What is your thought on this issue about these merit retention races? Are you um, paying attention to these? What are you hearing um, in uh, your circle about these races? Are people even aware of them? Well, yes, I am because I because I'm an activist. I'm a super voter. I've been voting all along, and you know, I, there's nothing. I don't. I'm not one of those people who leave anything undone uh, on the ballot. I'm voting on everything that's there, and I inform myself about it. I right. do this so much that I, I'm actually considered by friends as uh, uh, and family as a voting coach. Oh, really? And but you, but the robing room you're saying is a, a the robing R O B I N G room is a good place to get information on judges. And do they have judges for the whole state? Sitting judges, sitting judges, Just not necessarily right. on the ballot. Yeah, the, the, when you're doing the retention of judges and all, you can look them up on there and see what there is. And, and in my opinion on this, this is great that you guys have done this to let everyone know. Because so many people don't even vote in this; they, they wouldn't even vote on this. Or else they just, you know, make a random choice. Right. And it needs to be gotten out there because even if Charlie doesn't win, I hope he does, we can get rid of four bad people. And we can let the next four bad people come in and know that we can get rid of them too. Yeah, and, and just the fact to pay attention to these races. I think you're right. I think a, a, a lot of times people walk in there and they're looking at those names and they don't mean anything to them. And it is a, a really, really difficult to... Just I learn anything about the non people who are not sitting judges or justices. Although these are nonpartisan offices, both political parties are putting out information about oh, yeah. how to yeah. vote. The Democrats. Unfortunately, this, this nonpartisan stuff doesn't really work like it should. Unfortunately, that's one of the problems that we have. But you know, I, I ran for a county commission once uh, here in Pasco County, and one of the biggest things that upset me. When uh, the votes were all tallied, were all the people who didn't even vote in the race. Right. They voted at the upper, upper end of it, and they didn't vote in the county commission race. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I understand that, though. I think that people do that because they don't want to make a bad decision. You know, they're, they're afraid of making a bad decision, which I sympathize with. But they can check it out. You know, it's not like I wasn't out there campaigning and going places and, you know, trying to uh, um, uh, be in debates with my opponent. Who, by the way, would never debate me. She never debated me. Well, and that's also why the sample ballots are so important, to look at the sample ballot so that you know what is going to be on there before you walk into the voting booth, and then you can inform yourself. Well, that's the thing about vote by mail. You get your ballot a full 30 days in advance of the election, and you can use that to determine 
you know, whatever you need to determine. What's on the ballot, educate yourself about the things you don't know about, you know, become informed before you make a decision. And thanks for mentioning that because the mail ballots are going to be going out very soon. I think In fact, some counties as soon week. as Thursday, but, but most of them, uh, well, the hurricane might disrupt yeah. things around here a little bit. I was promoting this to the Democratic Party, uh, the DEC in Pasco, back when it was still called a absentee ballot. Right. And trying to tell them that we really need to get people to do this. You'll get more people to vote. There'll be more informed votes, all that kind of stuff. But they didn't think it was a good idea at that time. Now look. Well, Clay, thanks for the call and thanks for your activism. Right. Peace be upon you all. Be able to the great work. Keep, Stay safe. Keep making waves. Maybe we shouldn't be saying that, though, with Hurricane Ian approaching. Oh, good point. <laughs> Um, we've got another caller on the line. This is Pat in Tampa. Pat, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Thank you. Hi, it's Pat Kemp. Hi, Pat uh, Kemp. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Commissioner Kemp. Speaking of wave makers. <laughs> um, Laura Lawson is awesome. She has done an incredible job researching this and bringing um, public attention to it. So, I, And I think it's so important. It could be a catalyst, really, for changing our state and changing our future. And I think it's really important to point out that if uh, we don't succeed in this, and by the way, it's just 50% plus one, and they've tried to change it in the last few years to be a higher bar, but we can still do this with 50% plus one vote, um, just like a candidate. But here's the thing. If, if we don't succeed in removing a majority of the Florida Supreme Court, four out of seven justices, it's a pretty amazing sweep. Uh, opportunity that we have. These justices will be on there for another six years. Mm. So what that means uh, is that we, even if they, for instance, if if this didn't succeed with Charlie Chris, and by the way, if we, if we get a new governor and a new majority Supreme Court, we have a new future for Florida. We really do. That changes everything, uh, doesn't it? Yes, it changes everything. Um, but despite that, they would be on the ballot again in two years if he reappoints them or someone else. Then, and if we did this again, educated people, they'll be on the ballot again in four years, and we'll have another opportunity with another governor to change Florida's future. Otherwise, we are locked into something very, very dark. And, and so, just to just to remind folks, as we talked about this earlier in the show, there's a reason that the all for transportation plan is on the ballot again this year. It's because of this Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. They, they broke the, defied the will defied of the voters. the will of the voters, and now commissioners like you have put it back on the ballot. Right, uh, and and it wouldn't have been put on by the former commissioner, the commission. Believe me, correct. I, well, we already saw that not happen. Um, but um, it's just um, a great opportunity for us to make a statement. And however strong that statement can be, I hope it can be really strong. I hope it can be a sweeping statement. Um, but we have to keep going with this because I think this is the uh, new normal to know this. And as uh, Laura pointed out, Justice Jorge Labarga is the yes vote. He's the dissent on our sales tax. He's the dissent on so much. Uh, and so we're, um, we need to do uh, a yes vote on him, a no vote on the four others to Jorge Labarga's name also stands out. He's our first Cuban-American appointee to the Florida Supreme Court. So hmm. thank you for bringing this information. Thank you, Laura Lawson, for doing such an incredible job of bringing this forward. And how can thank people you. get involved if they want to uh, help spread the word? Um, FairCourtsFL.com. So that's fair, written out, F-A-I-R, courts. 
plural, fl.com. And they, you can sign up to uh, knock on doors, or I, I know the Democratic uh, slate card is also That's urging. Correct. So if you get one of those uh, slate cards, just make it, sure you look at your sample ballots. So as Janet mentioned earlier, you have time with those sample ballots. You have time with your mail ballots to spend and figure out how you're going to vote. Commissioner Kemp, thank you so much for calling in. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Commissioner. And Laura, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thanks to all of our guests who called and those who emailed. Um, we appreciate you all. Um, and everybody stay safe out there. This is WMNF Tampa. Um,